0: Into it because I've got something God's definitely put on my heart. And last week we looked at, well, we're in our series God Encounters, and this is the last Sunday that we're doing that. And last week, over the coming weeks, we've looked at Come Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit liberates your life, it empowers you and enables your hands and strengthens your heart. And then we looked at wrestling with God. embracing your brokenness and letting go and let God and being transformed by him. And then last week, Pastor Sean again looked at mirror, mirror. God doesn't see you as you are, but He, who he created you to be. And we saw that Moses was questioning his abilities and God affirming to him that God's presence is always with you. His strength and his power in us enables us to do his will as so long as we stick with him. So today I want to look at a, a subject. Oh, sorry. I want to look at a subject that's a little challenging for me, uh, and it's called "There Is More in God." But I hope you realise that as I go through this sermon, and that, that there's something. There is more in God than this earth can offer, and I feel inadequate speaking. Not uh, a mean, morning, meaning bringing this to you. Not that I feel inadequate speaking, but inadequate speaking about this subject this morning. But I know God has put it in my spirit and I want to be diligent in bringing what he has put in my heart. So the first point is get a kingdom mindset. Get a kingdom mindset, a God kingdom mindset. Our human mindset always drives us to want an answer to everything, doesn't it? Why? But why God? Why? 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 It's like kids, isn't it? You wonder why children do it and we're children of God. Why? 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 And when we don't get answers, heartache comes in, disappointment and discouragement. These are very real in our lives. And some of us can even honestly lose hope that God even loves us and that he is actually for us. But let's flip this for a second. And perhaps God has a why for us. And perhaps he says, have you ever, have you ever thought of what he says? Why do you think I don't love you? Why do you think I'm not for you? Just because you don't understand and don't get an answer, why do you automatically think that? Maybe our great God and creator has a lot of whys for us, while we've got a lot of whys for him. We live with a human mindset, and that's why we struggle so much that happens in our life, because we have no answers, because we think in a human mindset But we have to get a God kingdom mindset. He is working in a whole different realm. He works in a whole different timing. He has a whole different reasoning to everything. And we're going to try and live our life with this human mindset and serve a God who is in this amazing God kingdom. And we're always going to be going, why, why, why? Unless we change it. And start getting a God-kingdom mindset or seek God and trust God. Our human necessity to know the end from the beginning will always hijack our capacity for faith in God. Our human necessity to know the end from the beginning will always hijack our capacity for faith in God. So let's look at the life of Job. Here is a godly man who God actually brings to the attention of Satan. So let's read in Job 1. Verses six to 11. One day as the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, Satan, the accuser, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. And Satan replied, from earth, where I've been watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth, a good man who fears God and will have nothing to do with evil. Why shouldn't he pay? Why shouldn't he when you pay him so well? Satan scoffed. You've always protected him and his home and property from all harm. You have prospered everything he does. Look how rich he is. No wonder he worships you. But take away all his wealth and see him curse you to your face. And so there's a little conversation that goes back and forth in the Bible between God and Satan. But basically, God allows Satan to do whatever he wants with Job but he can't take his life. Well, Job didn't have a clue what was going on and I think that would be a massive understatement about what was going to come in his life. And what things don't we understand in God and something suddenly happens and it's like, whoa, God, what is going on? Sorry. For those who don't know Job's story, he lost in a very short time all his sons and daughters, all his family, all his wealth, all his herds, everything. He lost a lot. And he was covered in painful sores all over his body. However, he didn't lose his wife, who was very keen on Job cursing him, cursing God. But Job wouldn't. He wouldn't curse God even though he didn't understand all that was happening. And after an excruciating time with his friends who were making accusations about him, there was loads of weeping reaping job was angry with God. He felt he had become God's enemy. He was angry that God's silence and he demanded that his arguments that he had been heard, he wanted to do what God had, he wanted to do, what God had failed to do, provide his vindication. But you know, God eventually does speak to Job out of a storm. and instead of answers. God fires off a whole stack of whys to him, why after why after why. But it was why about his awe and his wonder. Why doesn't he understand? Why doesn't he see all this? And when God had finished speaking, Job acknowledged that he had been talking over his head, way beyond his understanding. In Job 42, verse 3, it says, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Listen to this things too wonderful for me to know. That God kingdom, there's so many wonderful things that we don't know. And once Job encountered the sovereign God, he regretted the statements he had made. You see, Job's encounter with God enlarged his capacity to appreciate the awe and wonder of God in his kingdom and that that was more than enough. That was more than enough. Having an encounter with God Changes things for the better. He realised God was still his friend, that he loved Job. And even though God seemed silent, seemed silent, and was even seemed absent, God wasn't. God was no mere spectator of Job's suffering. He was with him through the experience. And God knows we are human, and He knows our frailties and our weaknesses. And He is never a spectator in your suffering and pain. He is never a spectator. You ask, well, why doesn't he do something? That would be the obvious, wouldn't it? Our human frailty, our human thinking. Well, why doesn't he do something? To which he might lovingly say, why do you need an answer to everything? Why can't you just trust me? And the kingdom, God kingdom, I live in. I've got whys for you. Job 42 verse 12 says, this is at the end of everything and he's come through and he's come through this encounter with God and that's enough. Satan can't touch him anymore. So the Lord blessed Job at the end of his life more than at the beginning. He had more animals and more herds, seven sons and three daughters, the most beautiful daughters in the land. And then Job 42 verse 16 to 17, Job lived 140 years after that living to see his grandchildren and great-grandchildren too. Then at last he died an old, old man after living a long, good life. He did live a good life in spite of the suffering he went through. And we need regular daily God encounters to view life through the awe and the wonder of the lens of God's spirit, even when we don't understand. He is so much more. And so, worth it. Colossians 3, verse 2 says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Our mortal life is firmly fixed between two points, birth and death. However, when we perceive our life through the lens of God's Spirit, we see everything set against the backdrop of eternity. Only those things that endure beyond mortality are the things that serve the purposes of God. Will we get answers to our why? Probably not. Does it matter? Not really. If we are intentional about living living with a God kingdom mindset and trusting God. There is so much more in God. A second point this morning is realise love, suffering and sacrifice go hand in hand. We don't really like that little statement, do we? (laughs) There is a wonderful scripture I love to read, but no one likes the end part or they squirm when I get to it. But let's look at it. Philippians 3, verses 8 to 11. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage. We're in the Amplified, remember? Of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognising and understanding him more fully and clearly." For his sake, I have lost everything and consider it to be mere rubbish, refused in dregs, in order that I might win, gain Christ, the anointed one. That's so good. And that I might actually be found known as, known as in him, not having self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own, based on my obedience to the law's demands, the ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God thus acquired, But possessing that genuine righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, the anointed one, the truly truly right standing with God that comes from God by saving faith. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him perceiving and recognising and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in the same way come to know the power of his resurrection, which exerts it exerts over believers. Here it comes. And that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. What amazing scripture. I love it. But, oh, we don't like that suffering bit, do we? No. Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands in the USA says, when something is happening to me, God wants to reveal himself in me. When something is happening to me, God wants to reveal himself in me. Not God wants to reveal the why in me. He wants to reveal himself. Again, there's so much more in God. God is always about relationship. Relationship with you and with me. He really wants, he wants us to really know him because all that he has and all that he is Is in his God kingdom and it far surpasses anything this world has to offer, even when we are suffering and we're broken and we're in pain and we're lonely and we're hurting. I read this beautiful book recently. It's amazing that I've read a book. I read this beautiful book recently called Suffering is Never for Nothing by Elizabeth Elliot. It's only six chapters, my sort of book. She was no stranger to suffering. Her first husband, Jim, was murdered by the Indian people in Ecuador. They were missionaries. They had only been married just over two years, dreamed of being married, finally met a husband. Just over two years they'd been married and they were missionaries. But they were there and they couldn't speak the language. It was a bit silly, but anyway, it was way back then. The Indians didn't understand. There were five missionary couples. The Indians didn't understand why the five missionary couples were there and they thought they were cannibals. So they speared all five husbands, including her husband. Then time went by and she eventually remarried another lovely man, I think in America, and within three years he died of cancer. Then she married a third time. Clearly God had husbands for this girl. Then she married a third time. And even after many years, and Elizabeth herself recently dying, I think in 2015, her husband is still alive. Sweetie, I hope this is not the story of my life, (laughs) but let's make sure the insurance is up to date. (laughs) She said, listen to this, she said it was in her deepest suffering that she learned the deepest lessons about God. She said, as I was reading the book, that through all the suffering she'd gone through, All that she became to know in her God encounter was well worth it. And when you read her, I haven't read it, but when you read her autobiography, someone was speaking to me recently about it. Man, she went through some things. Romans 8 verses 16 to 17 says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are His children and then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, Indeed, if, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Emily Hook, who was up here this morning welcoming you, her and her husband Arlo lead our young adults and she was speaking a great message, couldn't fault it, at the PM service last week. And she said, obedience requires us to give up the right, to know why. Obedience requires us to give up the right to know why. And our yes, our obedience, our yes to God, the master potter, permits him to perform the perfect vessel in which to carry his grace and serve a wounded world. Whilst we are always safe in God's hands, his process sometimes can unsettle us. God wants nothing than his best revealed in us. And it takes trust, absolute trust to cooperate with him when we are suffering and feel lost and hurting in our circumstances. Let's look at Abraham in Genesis 12 verses 1 to 5. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people that had, they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. And it's remarkable that at 75 years of age, Abraham was starting on a new venture. This was not part of their retirement plan that he and Sarah had imagined. They both had to leave everything and everyone they knew, and that would not have been easy. They would actually, as you go through the Bible, they would actually never see the land of promise, the great victories of God, nor the establishment of the kingdom of Israel. But they were essential to all these future events. Through Abraham's act of obedience and faith, even in the suffering and sacrifice he had to go through, God's plan to bless all the nations of the world was seeded. Our obedience enables that which is invisible to be made visible and for God's kingdom to come on earth in the fullness of time. No one can ever compare their suffering and sacrifice to what Jesus had to go through, not just for one person, but for all humanity. But he knew what it would accomplish and his relationship with his heavenly father far outweighed what he was going to go through. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of God. There is so much more in God, so much more. And the third point, the final point, is turn your pain into seed for the future. Let's face it, all of us mess up at some stage of our life, but you can still sow good seeds in another field when a bad crop has been produced, even if it's due to personal bad decisions or unintentionally ending up in a bad situation. Let's look at Joseph in the Bible. God gives Joseph a dream at the age of 17 and he unwisely doesn't keep it to himself, but shoots off his big mouth to his brothers. This angers them, they're jealous, and they throw him in a pit and sell him off to be a slave. And without going into every detail of his life, he spends many years in prison or house arrest. He definitely would have suffered pain in his circumstances in the injustice that was done to him on many occasions. Yet God was with him all the time, even in his pain and suffering, and he trusted God. He bought all his pain and suffering in a cup and offered it as a sacrifice to God for him to use him as God willed. God refined Joseph's character, moulded him into the leader he was to be and he eventually brought him into a place of highest leadership in, with authority over a nation that he lived in. After 13 years, his brothers came before him and alarmed when they recognised him and realised who he was because they thought that he would really you know, punish them. But he, they also received Joseph's forgiveness. Listen to what Joseph says to his brothers in Genesis 50 verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Pastor Chris Hodges again says, my pain is either a jail that imprisons me or a school That empowers me. What are you going to let it be in your life? Joseph made his life a sacrifice to God and turned his pain into seed for the future of many. You may recall the story of Hannah in the Bible who wasn't able to conceive and have children. And back in that time, it was an incredible shame not to be producing a family and heirs. She was taunted by others and suffered with much, much weeping. On one particular day, she went to worship and sacrifice to God and poured out a heart to Him. First Samuel 1, verses 10 to 11, we read, In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And God heard her prayers and she gave birth to Samuel. Hannah bought all her pain and suffering in a cup and offered it as a sacrifice to God. Samuel grew in great wisdom and strength, greatly pleasing God and became a significant judge of all the people for many years. Hannah turned her pain into seed for the future. You may recall the story in Luke 9 where there was a multitude that were hungry and Jesus had been talking to them and Jesus wanted to feed them. And so the disciples found a little boy who had five loaves and two fish. And Jesus, when he got the five loaves and two fish, looked to heaven, gave thanks, and then the food was miraculously broken as people took and it fed over 5,000 people. And an unnamed missionary once said this, if my life is broken when given to Jesus it may be because pieces will feed a multitude when a, life would satisf- when a loaf would only satisfy a little boy. I love that. If my life is broken when given to Jesus, it may be because pieces will feed a multitude when a loaf would satisfy only a little boy. Isaiah 58 verses 10 to 11 says, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, Then shall your light rise in the darkness, and be be your sorry. And your your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your desire with good things, and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters shall not fail. When you sometimes wonder why your prayers aren't getting answered, could it be that sometimes your prayers are so small in scope that they're like little stones? And what God wants to give you is bread, something that will not only feed yourself, but feed the world as well. There is so much more in God, but you won't know it unless you have a relationship with Him. The worship team would like to come, thank you. God's heart has always been to be in relationship with us and that's why He created you and He created me. We don't follow Jesus because He brings us good luck, we follow Jesus because he offers a trustworthy framework on which we can build our lives and we can enrich society. He offers us a relationship with him that far outweighs anything this world has to offer. Is it a bed of roses all the time? No, but you will find in God someone who will never leave you, someone who always loves you, no matter how much you mess up and has a purpose And a future for you. He can bring you peace, a deep joy and a wholeness to your life in the midst of everything. It was humanity's sin, leaving God out of the picture and playing God with their own lives that severed that relationship with God. Something or someone had to pay the price for that sin. If God was ever to enjoy a relationship with us again. Remember, love suffering and sacrifice go hand in hand elizabeth elliot who i quoted before said there's no redemptive work done anywhere there's no redemptive work done anywhere without suffering god in his incredible love gave us his son jesus to suffer and be a sacrifice for our sins once and for all humanity on the cross So that when we ask forgiveness, when we mess up, God continually forgives us and genuinely forgives us to keep us loving, to keep loving us and helping us. While Jesus was on earth, He demonstrated the Father's heart of our Heavenly Father. No one could ever dismiss the sacrifice He was about to make. When Jesus was on the Mount of Olives, He knelt down and prayed, Luke 22 verse 42, "Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done." And in Luke 22 verse 44 it says, "And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweats and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus offered up his life as a sacrifice to his heavenly Father, for you and for me. He turned his pain and suffering into into seed for the future and eternity, yours and mine. The good news is that after Jesus died on the cross, on the third day, God raised him from the dead. So now we can have a relationship with a living and a resurrected Saviour.